0: Colossians chapter 4, then page 874, the back of the red hymnal for our catechism lesson. Colossians 4, just one verse, Colossians 4, 1, and we'll use this and and several other texts as we consider uh, our catechism lesson tonight. Colossians 4, verse 1, give your attention to the reading of God's holy word. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Amen. The grass withers and the flower fades. The word of the Lord endures forever. Amen. Question 63, page 874. Let's read the answers together for our catechism lesson. Question 63 through 66. Question 63. Which is the fifth commandment? The fifth commandment is honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. What is required in the fifth commandment? The fifth commandment requireth the preserving the honor and performing the duties belonging to everyone in their several places and relations as superiors inferiors or equals. What is forbidden in the fifth commandment? The fifth commandment forbiddeth the neglecting of or doing anything against the honor and duty which belongeth to everyone in their several places and relations. What is the reason annexed to the fifth commandment? The reason annexed to the fifth commandment is a promise of long life and prosperity as far as it shall serve for God's glory and their own good to all such as keep this commandment. As we turn then to the second table of the law, which the first uh, is really uh, an expounding of our duty to God and what is required in relation to him as we look to him, seek to honor him and serve him. We are to put no other gods before him. We are to, to worship him according to his Will, we are to set aside time to worship him rightly. We are not to take his name in vain. That is the the love of God, those four commandments uh, in summary. The second table of the law is our duty towards our fellow man. And interesting that the the fifth commandment begins with uh, in this way parents or, or children, obey your parents in the Lord, honor your father. And your mother, that your days may be long. And I think one of the things that we can conclude from that is that in God's world, if we are to live the way that He would have His people live, in in God's world, one of the most important things for us to do is to uphold the good order that He has given to this world. So I was thinking about the language of the catechism there, the several places and Relations. And most of us have all kinds uh, of different ways that we would uh, express our relationships as superiors, inferiors, or equals. Uh, it, it was uh, kind of trendy in the last few years to, on some of your online bios, just sort of your short bio online, to say I'm a a Christian, a husband, a a father, a brother, a friend, a pastor. And in that kind of a a summary fashion, you show that there are just various ways in which you relate to other people. So you need to know how, how to conduct yourself As superior to someone else in in some sort of way. How to conduct yourself with those who are your peers, your equals. How to conduct yourself when you come under someone who has authority over you. And that is what we consider and turn our attention to tonight. As we consider this fifth commandment. So first, how do we live in those several places and relations? Uh, Marriage, work, church school our organizations uh, civil uh, our civil relations both in terms of of understanding ourselves as law-abiding people and when we come into contact with those who are actively enforcing the law God expects us uh, to conduct ourselves in a certain kind of way and he places people in various kinds of relationships. God commands as a general rule that we as his people are, are not to have a as a primary concern overturning our several places and relations. Right? The, the default setting for Christians, for God's people, is not to be revolutionary. We are not to be seeking to overturn all of the, uh, all of the authority structures in our world. But rather we are called consistently within scripture to live within them and we'll unpack that a little bit more later but for instance in Ephesians 6 servants obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling with a sincere heart as you would Christ not by the way of eye service as people pleasers but as servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. And so, uh, we are met with this again and again in Scripture, that in our earthly relationships, no matter if we're talking about uh, as, as superior, an inferior, or an equal, to use the language of the catechism, that it becomes a way... In which we serve God. So often we look at, at what is directly in front of us. Right? Our boss is making us angry, and therefore it's really difficult to conduct ourselves in a Christian manner at work. The Bible says you, you need to think about that as a way to serve the Lord. It's a way that you serve God, it's a way that you obey God. Children, what is the most practical and available way for you? To serve God each day. It's to obey your parents. As you obey your parents, you are serving God. You are obeying God. And so, obviously, because I am human and I'm tempted towards these things, I often remind my children of this around the dinner table. But children need to be reminded of that. That is the most available, practical way, each and every day, to serve God. Obey God. Your parents, listen to them and obey them. The Bible, as you start to survey the landscape of Scripture, you see the way in which God has embedded this order into the world. So it is the duty of children to honor and to reverence their parents. Leviticus 19, verse 3, Every one of you shall revere his his mother and his father. I am the Lord your God. As we just said, it is the duty of children to obey their parents, not only in the fifth commandment, but in Ephesians 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. It is the duty of the young to be respectful of the aged. Leviticus 19 again. You shall stand up before the gray head and honor the face of an old man, and you shall fear your God, I am the Lord. Also, it's it's important to remember that in all of the commandments, right, there are implicit duties and there are things that are implicitly forbidden as well. So what is really going on in the fifth commandment is God is establishing relational order throughout throughout the world and in the various places that people live and act. And so, within the fifth commandment, of course, it's not only the duty of children to obey their parents. It is the duty of parents to be tender and kind and mild toward their children. Bringing them up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. So in Ephesians 6, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Again, in Colossians 3, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged isaiah 49 kind of in in an indirect way affirms the same thing can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb right mothers have a a natural compassion and love for their children psalm 103 we see the exact same thing as a father has compassion on his children it says the duty of parents to be loving kind tender towards their children, but firm, bringing them up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. It is the duty of employees to honor their bosses or their superiors at work. Of course, in scripture, because of the way that the economy was in the world at that time, most of the time this is cast in a master and a servant relationship, but makes sense for us uh, to bring that into into the place of, of work today and think of it as employees and bosses. First Timothy 6, let all who are under a yoke as slaves regard their own masters as worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and the teaching may not be reviled. But it is the duty, likewise, of those in places of power, those in places of position, those in places of authority, to be just and fair to those under them. So tonight's Verse, Masters, treat your slaves justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. It is the duty of wives to respect and submit to their husbands. Ephesians 5 33. Let the wife see that she respects her husbands. Coloss- her husband, Colossians 3:18. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. It is the duty of husbands to love and honor their wives, to delight in them to be tender to them and to love them sacrificially. Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Ephesians 5.33, Let each one of you love his wife as himself. Got to remind the guys on Sunday, they can't put the sirens on when they're still on 163rd. 1 Peter 3, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Husbands, love your wives, do not be harsh with them. And then it is the duty of the husband also to take delight in his wife. Let your fountain be blessed, and rejoice in the wife of your youth Proverbs five. It is the duty of husbands and wives to be mutually pleasing to one another. Paul affirms this in an indirect way for us in 1 Corinthians 7. that He says that when you are married, it becomes part of your focus, part of your duty, part of your responsibility to see to what pleases your your spouse, husbands to wives and wives to husbands. It is our duty as citizens to be subject to the government. Romans 13, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Romans thirteen seven: pay to all what is owed them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. It is the duty of church members to respect the elders of the church and to esteem them highly and love them because of their work. 1 Thessalonians 5, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Remember your leaders, Hebrews 13, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. It is the duty of all Christians, all of God's people, to be kind to one another, to submit to one another, to love one another, to forgive one another. Romans 12, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace the humble as you survey the landscape of scripture what you can see is that God has embedded into his world into his order uh, this kind of structure and so the primary uh, disposition of his people is not to be one which would seek to overturn all of these things but rather to be patient to be long-suffering to be forgiving to be forbearing in all of these things. And we'll talk about that a little bit more later as well. But there are times when more drastic action is to be taken. Whenever we begin to consider. Okay so does that mean that, that Christians always have to o- obey. The government always have to obey those over them. Uh, is there kind of no exceptions for any of that? Well no. There are times when more drastic action is is to be taken, you can see it in various things in society and in the church right the the American Revolution, for instance, was in many ways a, a rebellion against the established uh, government there. The abolition of slavery was a good thing, and that in many ways co- uh, was a cause for disobedience at times. The Reformation was uh, Certainly, an overturning or rejecting of authority in the church. All of these things were things that could be done, that ought to be done because of abuses, and that were done carefully and responsibly. You can see it done well in human history, you have seen it done poorly. The French Revolution is, is a different thing, that, that was one that was done uh, much differently than the American Revolution. It was kind of a rejection of the authority of God, the authority of country altogether. The Radical Reformation would be a, a, another poor example uh, of when authority was not rightly um, disobeyed. And so there are times when more drastic action is to be taken. You take in the context of marriage. That when a spouse is wronged through a, a radical breach of the marriage vows by the other spouse. That the one who has been wronged is free to consider divorce in cases. But what we see from that is that these are simply exceptions. And exceptions show that we are to seek to live within the context of the authority, the several places and relations which God has placed us. And the reason I read Colossians 4 verse 1 is because it's important for us to understand in all of these things That all of us continue to live under God's authority. One of the things that I, I say in our home is that God is in charge of this home. God is over mommy and daddy. He is the one who is in charge. He is the one who leads and directs and guides us in all that we do. And so Paul gives this, uh, this reminder to those who are masters and who have servants. Be kind, be just, be fair to those who are under you. Because you know that you also have a master in heaven. In other words, you don't get to just freely exercise authority and think that you will never have to answer to God for the things that you do. You exist under God's authority. Of course, it is true that authority is easily abused. And of course, it is true that God will not look kindly upon those who use their place of authority in order to exploit others, in order to mistreat others. God will not look kindly upon all of those things. Ephesians 6 is in many ways a parallel to Colossians chapter 4. Once again, speaking to masters who have servants underneath them. He says, don't forget that, that you have a master in heaven, so stop your threatening and understand that there is no partiality with God. In other words, when people are on earth and maybe they're in a place of authority, they know that oftentimes people are going to defer to them. People are going to, to let them get away with things because they hold a place of authority. Paul says, don't think it's going to be that way with God. We all will stand before him as Equals, And we all will stand before him as those who will have to give account to the things that we do. But there's a a deeper principle that we have to see from a verse like Colossians 4 verse 1. Paul is reminding us that we all live under God's authority. We all live under God's rule. And so what that means is that we are then called to understand that when you look at anyone else, that you come into contact with in the world, anyone with whom you have any kind of relation, closest of relation, a a marriage relationship or a family relationship, or a, a, a work relationship or in some other organization or group, anyone with whom you come in contact with, you are to understand that their greatest calling in life is to serve God. And so if you happen to hold authority over them, then you, as one of God's people, are to remember that you are to do all that you can to, in their life, help create for them opportunities to serve the Lord. No one exists for you. Everyone exists for God and for his glory and thus you are to see all of the opportunities that are given to you on this earth in this life relationally with other people as opportunities to clear for them a path to serve the lord you can think about this in the same way as if you are an inferior so uh, wives could think about this in marriage relationship you could think about this in the, the place of work Uh, as someone who has a boss, you are to interact with that person in such a way. Now, of course, marriage is going to be much different than the workplace. But you are to, in the way that you serve that person, in the way that you obey or submit to that person, you are to likewise clear a path for that person to serve the Lord. In your several places and relations, you are called to look upon the opportunities that you have To see the person to whom you're relating and to remind yourself their highest calling, whether they know it or not, is to serve God. And I want to be a testament to that very thing. I want to be someone who teaches them about that very thing, the way that I treat them, the way that I interact with them, the way that I speak with them. And So this brings us then to consider authority For the Christian in all of our walks of life. Where does our understanding of hierarchies of authority and power. Where does it begin? Where is it founded upon? Well for us it has to begin with Jesus Christ. All of the ways that we think about authority. All of the ways that we think about loving and serving, submitting Honoring, cherishing, ruling over someone. It begins with Jesus Christ. Who, in whom we see the confluence of the one who had the most power. As we said this morning. Colossians chapter 1. All things created through him and for him. The one who had the most power and authority. But who also made the highest sacrifice. The way that we are called to think about these things. Has to begin and center upon Jesus Christ. The passage that teaches us this is Philippians chapter 2. Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him. And bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. What we need to understand is that Jesus transforms the way that we think about positions of authority. Positions of power positions of leadership he transforms the way that we think about them and so that becomes much easier to apply in two places in the church and in the Christian home certainly as God's people we need to be filled with the conviction that our churches and our Christian homes ought to be dripping with this view of power authority and rule it needs to be informed by Jesus Christ. So in the church, the apostles were called to wash one another's feet. They were called to, to go out and serve those whom the Lord would entrust to them. They were called to imitate Jesus. They were called to serve one another. We see in Matthew chapter 20, verse 25, Jesus speaks of this very thing. Jesus called to, to, to them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus says, power, authority, outside of the mindset that I'm going to create in you. Outside in the world is the thought that that you use power to exploit whomever you can to get whatever you want. That's a rough summary, but that's the way that power is often approached. Jesus says it must be done differently among you. Power must not be lorded over others, but rather it must be used for the good of each other. So in the church, those who are called to be elders are called to be servants. They are called to be sacrificial leaders. They are called to stoop. They are called to uh, defer and serve and love in sacrificial ways. The church is then to be ordered in this kind of a way that We seek ways, and Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 13 as well, that we are to seek ways to bestow honor upon those whom perhaps the world would not want to bestow honor upon them. That we are called to uh, understand that God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong, that God has chosen what is debased and hated in the world to shame the wise. Church is to be dripping with this view that is informed by Jesus Christ. For the one with the highest authority made the highest sacrifice. Our Christian homes are to be made, are to be ordered in this way as well. Throughout scripture it is the husband and the father who is the one given the most instruction unto sacrificial giving. You know, one author puts it this way, that masculinity is the glad acceptance of sacrificial responsibility. The basic principle, strength, is to be used for the good of others. If God has strengthened you, you are to use it for the good of others. In a Christian marriage, the, the highest call, or really the, the, the most gospel-informed call, is given to the husband. Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her very life. Ordered for her good. Our Christian homes need to be ordered in this kind of a way. Dripping with uh, love for Jesus and lives that look like his. But then it brings us to the way in which we relate to people outside of the church because we all have have several places and and relations so uh, how do we think about that we all come into contact with those who are not christians whether it be in the workplace or otherwise and what we see in scripture is that uh, we are to embrace long-suffering and forbearance and patience and kindness and forgiveness in order to to see opportunities come to fruition where you can testify to the goodness of God in Jesus Christ. And in order to do that, we must, of course, go back to Christ because it's Christ who transforms the way that we think uh, about authority. So we must welcome any chance we have to testify to him and to point others to him. We are to be long-suffering and forbearing with those who are over us in order to give witness to Christ. Even if it's not easy to do so, we ought to have a posture of forbearance. As we uh, mentioned previously, 1 Timothy 6. Let all who are under a yoke as slaves regard their own masters as worthy of all honor. So that the name of God and the teaching may not be reviled. Honor them. So that what you profess might not be hated. Titus 2 Servants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith. So that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. There's an opportunity that we have to adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. So we ought to seek to be long-suffering and forbearing in order to testify to the goodness of God in Jesus Christ. And if you perhaps suffer particularly because of bearing the name of Christ, if you suffer particularly because you are a Christian, then Jesus furnishes us with the promise that you are blessed when you are hated and reviled for the name of Jesus Christ. We are to seek, uh, the Bible deals with uh, the matter of a marriage where there is one believing spouse and an unbelieving spouse. And the Bible says that we are to seek to serve and honor our unbelieving spouses in order to, again to testify to God's grace in us. First Peter three, one. Likewise, wives, uh, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives. 1 Corinthians 7. For how do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him. And to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. So we go, once again, we, we begin with Christ. We see the church and the home particularly ordered in this way. And we ought to seek for our churches and our homes uh, to show forth in mighty ways this Christ-centered way of living. This Christ-centered way of thinking about authority and even mutual submission. In our lives outside of the church when we are met with challenges. When we are relating to people who are, uh, to whom are difficult to relate. It's not easy to obey the boss. It's not easy to work side by side with someone. We are to do whatever we can to be forbearing, to be long-suffering, so that we might adorn the doctrine of God our Savior, so that our profession, that which we carry with us, might not be hated or reviled. The only way, of course, that we can do this Is to continually look to Jesus Christ in faith. To grow in our love for him. To let our lives be shaped by our love for him. To continually be captivated by the glory of the gospel of Christ. Have you considered? Have you considered the glory of what Jesus does for us? Just to consider that passage in Philippians chapter 2. Who... Though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Now, many of us have that committed to memory and, and perhaps uh, we, we say it on almost second nature without thinking about it. But do you consider, he, though he was in the form of God, though he himself is the exact imprint of the nature of God. The one who can say, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. The one who could say, before Abraham was, I am. The one who, without shame, with a clear face, could say that he was equal with the Father. That he only did his will. That he had no beginning. And that he was going to return to his Father. Have you thought, have you considered the glory of what he did for us? That he stooped. He emptied himself. He he took off that, that outer garment of glory laid it aside to take on human flesh so that he might live and die for you. All authority comes from God. All will answer to him and the one who is himself God did this for us. How can that not transform the way that we think about the way that we relate to anyone around us? whether as a superior, as an inferior, as an equal. It must shape the way that we think. It must shape the way that we live. So do you love Christ? Do you think about him often? Do you think about his sacrifice often? And does his sacrifice affect the way that you think about the way you might sacrifice for others? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to think about uh, these things. We thank you for your word. May we know and understand that we never occupy any position in which we can say that we will not have to answer to you, that no matter how high anyone can ascend to the highest throne in this world, they still have a master in heaven. So might we seek to live under your authority. Might we seek to point others to your goodness. Might we seek to clear a path to allow others to serve you. We ask, O Father, that uh, you would impress these things upon our hearts by the power of your spirit. In Christ's name, amen.